G'day punters, welcome to the Deep Dive. It's Monday morning. We have got plenty of racing to get through. We'll start at Flemington, we'll move to Randwick, including Mark Roden's absolute masterclass performance there on Saturday before we swing by Doombin, catch up with Shane Curlio, and we'll get into some Q&A at the end. We've got some good questions regarding early versus late betting, so I think there's going to be a fair bit to get through in this episode of the Deep Dive, but we'll start with Jack Dickens at Flemington. Dicko, we saw a couple of nice horses resume there over the weekend. We've got the unofficial start of spring, as I like to call it, next week with the Lawrence. And by the next week, I mean this week. Next week's the Memsey, or is it the Warwick Stakes? Now the Wink Stakes. I'm not sure. There's a lot going on. But take us away with what happened there at Flemington. You've confused me and probably our listeners there. What's happening? It's the unofficial start of spring. It's the Lawrence Stakes this week. Get excited, mate. Come on. Where's that at? Caulfield or Flemington? That'll be Caulfield. Righto. Uh, like, yeah, the biggest... Shane? Oh, I just like how you blame the viewers for being confused when you had no fucking clue what you were <laughs> even thinking about, but you blame the viewers. <laughs> I, I think I, I, I think I'm the same as the viewer. And, uh, Sorry, viewers. Wanna know, Sorry, viewers. Wanna know what, what should I bet on and what am I going to bet on? Not, not, not who won this race last three, four years, etc. But anyway, we live and we learn. <laughs> Back to Flemington on Saturday, guys. Turreth, which... Was one of the bigger, like grey ups. Uh, I spoke to Jacko about it. Like back in the day, I would have just backed this horse because it was very, very good versus the bias at Sandown. There was no other horse that won from where it did. Uh, John Allen's and John McNeil wasn't a negative. I thought the outside draw, the way the horse rolls, probably suits it. But when we get to the the the, the method we used to price races, it was just nowhere near a bet. And and you know, I spoke to Peter about this for an hour or whatever last night. I think even even with a fair bit of manipulation, it still probably couldn't get to a bet, which is something I need to figure out with the way I price. Um, but it, it's returned the biggest figure of the day. So the I was right, I guess, Roden. I don't know how you handle that, but what, what would you suggest that you do there? Um, I'd stick with what's working for you. You can't back every winner. Yeah, that's what I'm sort of thinking. So it, it's returned an enormous figure of 11.8. Um, really, really nice ride, John McNeil. He's he is like airborne. Some of them, obviously, he's had a little freshen up, and it seems to really suited him. Um, reverse could be said for Luke Curry, who um, looks like he's just you know a little bit older and just warming into it still. He, he will come good, but he's just not there yet. Uh, the second biggest figure of the day at uh, Flemington was Groundswell first up, so it was a pretty nice performance. This horse probably follow it with some confidence. Um, Hosier just ticked another box, didn't it? Like, didn't learn a stack, didn't run an enormous figure, but ran as fast as it probably could have run given the race shape. And um, the astrologist was good again. I, I think it was a solid meeting without being enormous. There was some like disgracefully slow tempos through the day, like, like unbelievably slow tempos. Like the the Shabao form and race is just mythical. Um, the, the second race, they've gone so disgracefully slow that you just don't know. I don't know what you'll do with that race. And the S, like maybe you, maybe you lean on the SPs out of that race. Um, and, and then the last race, this Dagula, and didn't the Gold Tonsils TV just? He declared this as his best as, I, as it loaded, and then about 400 out, he declared that it was winning, and the punters were going to go home a winner. And, <laughs> and it's a bloody big win because it's. You're, on paper, you think Diagula wants tempo, you know, wants to run over the top of them, and it's got no tempo here and it's gapped them. 
So, uh, too good, TB. Great call again. And uh, maybe it's a horse with, with some upside. I, I think you can keep following Turreth. I think there's a couple of winners like Zorro's Dream, Sunfall and Shabao that like, that was their birthday and no more. Uh, Hosier, I think you just got to sort of stick with, don't you? Like, it's, it's done nothing but win. Um, and I thought Too Good, Too Hard was a pretty good run. Um, maybe in, was at race eight. It was down, it was down the straight. It was a nice run. I, th- I think it's in for a decent preparation. There was a little bit of money sort of in the early markets and then a little bit again on the day to suggest the horse is going pretty well at home. Um, I think they're a bit of a camp that doesn't mind a speck. The Stokes Yard. Particularly Tommy. Full stop? Yeah. Very good. Thank you, Dickens. Uh, we'll move to Sydney because, well, Mark Roden, you said earlier that you can't back every winner, but oh, you basically yeah. did. Yes. Um, yeah, you lied. <laughs> yeah. Oh, well, I didn't back every winner. I only, I only bet in nine races, not all ten. I <laughs> Um, so, okay. Did you well, regret that, was, that? Did you regret that Saturday night? Well, I I didn't even do the form on the um, on the highway, but um, I did have a look on Saturday night, and I mean, it was three dollar favourite with J Mac on, and it was very very easy to find. <laughs> <laughs> how sick are you? And how sick are we as a breed? You've tipped, you, you've backed nine winners from nine races, and you spent Saturday night looking at the highway and going, "Fucking probably should have backed that." <laughs> Hey, That's how you improve, I suppose. Exactly. The pursuit, of, um, pursuit of perfection there. Pursuit of perfection. Look, um, we can't expect every day to be like that, but there are a few factors that certainly helped uh, a dry and very close to fair track. I mean, it, it wasn't just dry. This was a genuine three. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, what did they was... call it? A soft five? No, no, no. I think they upgraded it to a three. It was probably a two. But, um, you know, like um, Paul Ealy's run 62.04 for 1,100. That's, you know, that's quick. Yeah, the raw time certainly gave it away pretty early in the day. Uh, now, look, that was one of the key factors I wanted to talk about because on the previous show, we were talking about wet to dry and how that was sometimes easier than going dry to wet. Uh, just run yep. us through a couple of little bits and pieces that you're looking for as a punter when you're doing the form on a wet to dry card. I think, well, Jack was talking about uh, before about sort of the old way. He, you used to do the form, Dicko, uh, mm-hmm. and I think... From the chats I've had with you over the years, you just used to love um, unsuited to suited. Yeah. And I think I think wet to dry is the ultimate example of unsuited to suited. You know, and I'm not talking about soft fives and sixes. We're, we're talking. We've had some tens and stuff in Sydney uh, in recent weeks and months, and now we're going to what might be a two or a three. That, that's a big shift, and it works both ways. So you get the horses who, and it's not necessarily that they they are legless on wet, but they, they're certainly better on dry. That that's one. But it's it's the reverse too. We saw some favourites there on Saturday, particularly the first favourite, Larkspur Run. It was it was like about 3.30 into 2.70 hard to get. Clearly the one they wanted in the race. Uh, and it was coming off it was coming off a huge figure at Canterbury on, on a heavy eight or something, and it was also fast lane. So that was, you know, just suited, 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 suited to a totally different um, scenario on Saturday. Now it was absolutely slaughtered, I must say, and ran last. Mm. So that was a that was actually a total forgive. But um, you couldn't back it at that price, you know, with, with those changes. And, you know, you, you're getting two sets of switches, put it that way. That's why wet to dry is such a, a good, uh, good setup for me. Okay. Do, do you worry about, like, the wet tracks, though? Sometimes 
I feel like it doesn't give them a good enough base fitness-wise and a hard enough run to sort of bounce off it. They can be sluggish off it. Yeah, maybe. Like you'll, you'll see sometimes in, like, that, like Victorian horses will come down for the for the autumn or the spring, yeah. or, or Sydney horses will go to Melbourne and come back, and they'll come back from the Melbourne tracks, which are firmer, Yeah. and dominate on those soft tracks, that I, first bang run. I think that would also have something to do with the state of the tracks at track work, too. Um, they're able to get more solid work into them on drier tracks, obviously, than, than heavy tracks. And obviously, they'll work on a synthetic or whatever, but I think, you know, working on grass, on dry grass tracks is probably better for their fitness. Um, I don't know. Look, the big winner I backed last week, um, Mirror Vision, it was wet to dry. And mm. it, the start before, it had run on heavy, and it sat outside the leader, looked to be travelling, and just gave up, Right. So now, fitness-wise, that's not going to do anything for it. It just didn't test itself at all. But it, it, it was fifth or sixth up by by last week. So fitness wasn't an issue, but just going from floundering on a very testing wet track to a dry deck, that, that was a, a, enough of a plus for it. So fitness didn't come into it. Maybe for horses earlier in their prep, you know, if they had one run on a heavy track and run nowhere, they might not improve second up on the dry because they're not fit enough. But if they're deeper into the prep, I wouldn't worry about it. I assume it was just a case of, you know, maybe a bottle of red with the missus and a couple of darts because we're in lockdown. But if we weren't in lockdown, what would you have done? <laughs> and then, and then, and then, what would it? What would Roden have done twenty years ago? Well, I don't know what I would have done because the whole, you know, in the year two of lockdowns sort of just changed my whole mindset socially. I, even if the pubs are open, I don't know how, how long it would have lasted. But, when, when Richmond won the um, prelim in 2017, beat GWS on Saturday night and made the grand final, I think I, I got home late Sunday afternoon. And that was only, <laughs> what, four years ago. So. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and, and still was up on Monday to get my grand final ticket too. So, that, yeah, that was a good couple of days. Yeah, it's steady. <laughs> All right, uh, Randwick. What we'll just get uh, your performances of the day and, and maybe a horse or two to follow. Yeah, look, um, don't about horses to follow. There are a couple of couple of lit up sectionally. Um, Hightail, who I have a, have a little bit on uh, in the missile at twenty five to one. Yep, it's actually come home. I mean, it's a slow run, wait for age twelve hundred, so they are going to dash home. But it's broken eleven uh, in running sixth or something in the um, mm-hmm. in the missile seats, so going okay. Uh, stinking old Hulk has lit up the clock again, coming back from last in a, what, 1,100-metre race as per fucking usual. So yep. uh, don't follow him because he's going to do it every start for the rest of his life, get back and run on and break your heart. Uh, now, but the race that um, the race of the day was the Rosebud. Now, Paul Wheely has got everything uh, go right and bolted him. Uh, the late sections were very good, uh, ran that very fast for all time. And, of course, the... The one no one's going to miss was Remark, the all-back favourite who um, had no luck. Now, very hard to quantify whether it would have won. Um, I think it would have made it very interesting with a clear run. Um, I mean, whether it would have won or wouldn't, I, I don't really care because I was on the winner. Yeah. But, um, I think the, the trap could be... Look, I'll say for a start, he's better than I thought he was. I thought he was priced on potential on Saturday, and uh, I'm very glad he had no luck because he would have given Paul, Paul Lilly a race at the very least. And I've, I've, I've backed three around him, so I've been a bit lucky there. He's certainly better than I thought. But again, because he was he was favourite, because he's been pole-axed, he's going to go up very short next time, I think. And he might not be a betting proposition. Um, the, 
the unlucky runs off the tapes, the, the market never, ever, ever misses. Yep. The, the only way to get an advantage doing video is looking for real, real hidden stuff, like blocks, checks, wides. Yeah, like Everyone's They are the first thing priced in. Yep. Just absolutely no edge at all, mate. Um, I, look, if I was still doing my whole job at Sportsbet, next time remarks, you know, I was putting up a price on a Tuesday, I'd say, right, what price do I think it should be? 250 Right, I'm putting up 210 because a hundred people, a million people black booked it and they're just going to back it. So just put it up. Oh, it's just fascinating. Just put it up as short as you can with a straight face. Oh, you, you've got two new huge fans too. We've got two blokes on Saturday who started renovating or building my shed. Oh, yeah. Cave. HQ. <laughs> and... Uh, they, they just started, because I would go out there for the Sydney races, basically, because it's right yeah. in the middle. Yeah. They, they are big, big fans. Oh, that's good to hear. I'm, this old uh, workers' cottage here in Collingwood might need a bit of work done at some stage, too. So. <laughs> well, <laughs> where, are the, where are the good horses in Sydney, Mark? Like, Fobbert has ran right up to its benchmark 82 form in Brisbane um, <laughs> in the rating that it produced to beat them in the missile. Um, yeah, I thought. Are they, is everyone waiting for the Everest? Is that where the good horses are? <laughs> where are uh, they? I, I don't know. I read this morning that Joe Pride's setting private eye for the Everest Golden Eagle Double. So if he if he walks away with twenty million dollars with that horse, I'll. So any, basically anything that can gallop a bit is all going to be just everyone's going to produce at back end of the spring because that's where the money is. So all you know, these you know, spring races are complete shit. I've got a story for you, an internal one that will just grow us up for the rest of our lives, Curls. Holyfield runs around in the Everest. <laughs> Surely not. Imagine. Imagine. Probably was running the Ramorni was good. Um, this, I mean, how this, this is a group two, isn't it? I mean, the Federation of Bloodstock Agents would have... would be very, very pleased uh, with, the, with the pattern uh, that this is a group two race. Says, Look, it's a... It's an open set weights and penalties race. It's got Colding, who's a good horse, Fasika, who's a nice mare, a and nice uh, Fobador with a fitness bed edge turned him over. And they knew. Did you see the totes? A it was, nice mare. It was $9 on the fair um, with two minutes to go. That's why I sent it out as a bet, because it was yeah. on the drift. And the U turn in betting in the last two minutes was extraordinary. In the, didn't in I'd chase it down, too. But. <laughs> You've had too much on again. Well, I had to fucking win somewhere. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, yeah, not not a vintage Group 2 race by any means. Um, and as to... I spent a lot of time in the autumn carping and whinging about the quality of the weight for age racing in Sydney about a day of a very elegant not riding well. And, but, I mean, but who cares? You know, they're just races. They put a market on, market up, and you try and find the winner. Yeah, but, well, Life's good it, if you've got, like, a fast, fair track for once. Fuck. Yeah. Yeah. Helps. Yeah. Could be having midweeks at Mully. Well, this week we've got midweeks at... Uh, midweek Metro's at Newcastle. The Thursday Provincial's at Scone. And next Saturday's Metro was at Kembla. Holy Christ. Thank you, COVID. It's amazing how, like, they've raced... Like, they've sacked Rose Hill, because they've had to. And then yeah. Randwick's turned in one of the great days, pattern-wise, in recent memory. Yeah, yeah, maybe they should just race on it every week. And well, they haven't ordered it too. They were because it hadn't rained for so long. Um, I think they put one mil on, so they 
I mean, if this had been high summer and they had no rain, they would have put, you know, three inches on or something and stuffed it. But because it's winter, because the nights are colder, they couldn't bring themselves to put any more than a mill on, and that's why we've ended up with a good track. Um, yeah, fairest track I've seen in ages. I just wonder if anyone's whinging about it because it was firm. Oh, I think everyone in Sydney's whinging about all sorts of other shit. <laughs> I think that's fair to say. All right, thank you very much, Mark. We'll head up they to... They still play golf, though. <laughs> We head up to Queensland for curls. Uh, you're calling it a disaster class. Um, do you want to elaborate? Not really. Um, <laughs> anyway, it's been a pleasure betting. Um, don't think I'll bet ever again. Uh, race start with race three. Um, the favourite Tremonto was heavily well. It was pretty strong, firmly backed. I suppose it was three dollars. Sixty-three days between runs, no trial. I'm going to bet against it every time. Um, whether it's that horse or any other horse with that set up at that price. Um, we backed Contemptuous and Kavak. They've run second and third. Contemptuous has bled one nostril. Um, don't know if that means anything. We backed a winner on Friday at Ipswich. I think we backed um, thing fell in Nordicus. I thought it ran below expectation and see it bled as well. So that's, I don't know if it's a thing or what. Um, but it happens. Work something out around that. So anyway, that's a big. That was a big betting race and come unstuck. Uh, race five, we had a good bet on Wham early in the week at a good price. Um, complete fucking disaster from the from the jock on on this horse. He got crossed early by a horse that was over racing, and he's absolutely fucking petrified of the fence. This kid, as soon as he lands the fence, he's just trying to get off. Um, like, could have comfortably just sat in the right spot, you know, just behind a good tempo, got off the fence, tried to get up near the speed again. Um, the horse itself has gone out, like, negative 7.3 and got run down and just, like, hit the front, like, went to the front again and, like, it still had the audacity to run the third fastest last 200 of the race. Like, it should have fucking won, end of. Move on. Yep. Slaughter. Um... And I'm not going to preface it or pre-post text it by saying I don't like bagging jockeys or especially young kids, because I do. I do it all the time, and I'll continue to fucking do it. Um, race, race seven. Now, so clever. I took a good early price, and then um, I just averaged out late just because I wanted. I only had half a bet earlier in the week. Now, um, I'm... It's ran as good as it can go. It got beat by Hidden Hail, so maybe it's just not as good as what I thought this horse could be. In saying that, the uh, I mapped... So Hidden Hail's a horse that's just like free running, can't restrain it. It's just got to go at you know the same tempo, basically. It'll run two 600s the same speed, basically. Um, and he's will be... You know, that's just how he rolls, right? So I've had mapped... Number 12, far too easy with a bad jock, gate one leading and wanting to hold the fence and hidden hail outside it, unable to be restrained, running along so clever, just tucks in, gets a suck and just gets over them. And far too easy, he's missed the kick, hidden hail's run to the top and just run, you know, just run as good as he can go. And that was just too good for so clever, who had its chance with the weight, you know, with 54 in the, in the run in transit. He's just, he's run as good as he can go. The math just didn't work out for him. So as it worked out, the market was completely fucking, probably probably completely right. 
in the mat in the obvious race shape that it looked to have, but just didn't eventuate that way. And then the horse is probably exposed to be not as good as what he had, you know, shown or the good as the potential that was priced into that runner off his previous couple of efforts. But it is his first prep. He'll probably go to the paddock now and, and come back and, and win a name Metro. Uh, just race. on that, just on that horse curls. John Moore's obviously just resumed or started up again in Australia. How's he gone to start his Queensland training career? Uh, it's very, yeah. very limited yeah. amount of runners, um, yeah. but you know they've all they seem to be running well, yeah. consistently. And I think as his numbers increase and as the, these horses come through the stable, that he'll he'll be you know twenty percent winning strike rate type trainer. Yeah, yeah, consistent. I think. Um, uh, that leads us to race nine, which I think was the last betting race for me. Um, I'm a little bit still have. I'm still not sure on this. There's a couple of lessons out of this race. Um, don't penalise Brad Stewart for Matt. He will just put them wherever he wants. Um, this Wits End had has been in good form and was d- definitely a great chance, and it was a good price. But the price was more than fair because it was drew. You know, a wide gate with plenty of speed inside him. So, sort of did no one anticipate that he'd be able to just bang it outside the leader and then dictate the tempo. Um, he did deck James Orman at the 800 to get there, but that's what B. Stewart does. He's just a freak. He puts him wherever he wants, and he doesn't give a fuck. <laughs> um, so, uh, the, the interesting one for me, and I probably at the time I was a bit dirty, but on reflection, it was probably gone as good as it can, and maybe. That's just not quite good enough. We backed really discreet. Um, it was $2 on the fair, five minutes to jump. Oh, that's not fair. That's not right. It was a little bit longer than that. Maybe it was 220 Last three minutes, it went 220 to 280 Was slow away and ended up in a bad position. I'm not convinced that it wins, but I am convinced that if it jumps and puts itself where I anticipated it would be, which would be having... At wit's end, three deep, working around it, and at worst, sort of one out, one back. Um, it goes close. I'm not sure that it wins, but it definitely goes close. It's probably gone as good as it can. And there's a few other horses here that didn't have a really nice, didn't, didn't look to have the right setup. Um, Roman Aureus, who's on, who had the worst jockey that has a Metropolitan license on it, uh, it'll win with a jockey switch next start. Um, Super Giant was. Uh, going back from the gate, uh, it ran super. It's uh, cost a horse that'll improve at least six second up in the right race somewhere when the money's on. Uh, it's one out of that race that went well as well. Um, so it just didn't. It just wasn't the right. It just didn't work out right for really discreet. But at the same time, I think in this class, with those, if these horses meet again, we won't be on it. Put it that way. Okay, is what I'm, is where I'm at. Um, I don't think that I would have necessarily changed anything from. The Doombin bet from a betting perspective, uh, we bet up in a couple of races and Contemptuous was, went really close to knocking off the favourite. Uh, uh, and that Wham should have fucking won, simple as that. And, you know, that that changes the whole complexion of the day. And then the two betting races in Toowoomba were the first one was just complete slaughter and should have won, which would have been, made a big difference. And that second betting race was, well, it's just Toowoomba. How do you fucking even know? Like, They've led and they've, start, they've started half the price that we've taken. They've led and coffined and never quickened from the 600 and both went pathetic. So, what do you do? I don't think I would have changed much, Pistol, really. 
um, from a betting perspective. If you're not changing much, it's going to pack it up, move on. There's another week ahead. Um, Maybe. I'm excited, yeah. yeah. <laughs> we'll uh, get to a little bit of Q&A. This is from Zach. Uh, I'd like, love to get your thoughts on betting early versus late. Obviously, if there's an overlay with your assessed price and you're happy with the odds of the horse, you'd usually take it early. But even then, it seems hard to be confident with so many variables off the table. Say on a Wednesday, betting for the Saturday. On the race day, you know the track pattern, the track rating, and how the wind is playing. Also, waiting late obviously allows the punter to look at the yard, analyze the market for any significant drifts or firms, and bet into a low percentage of 101 to 102% late on Betfair. What I'm wondering is, does it benefit? Does the benefit of betting early really outweigh betting late and maybe taking a slightly worse price, but with the knowledge of all the variables? That's from Zach. I've been doing some work on this yesterday, so I'll go first. And it's only to it's only relevant to my area, so uh, mm-hmm. I'm sort of leaning towards um, after a bit of a review. Minimum bet rules only been in Queensland for like six weeks, so it's very small sample of data. But, sorry, when I say minimum bet rule, that's when the prices go up. Yep. So, so you've got, I don't know whether you call them pigs or grubs or troughs in snouters or snouts in troughs or whatever you Hard want Hard workers, um, grinders. Whatever. There's a, sh- like, bet, uh, bet 365 go up first and, like, they're just into it. There's no waiting for something else to come up somewhere else, you know? Yeah. Just whoosh gut. So the errors, are, I feel like, and Mark, I want to hear your opinion on this, I feel like the errors are less earlier on the Metro meetings. Mid, midweek and Saturday, I'm fucking almost at a point of giving up betting early on Metros. Unless there's an obvious error. Yeah. But I'm going to have to not say giving up, maybe increase my margin that I need to bet early. Yes. I yeah, but like, I think, I think like in before. Queensland, like you've had... How many horses bled on Saturday that you backed? One and a few, and two oh, others sorry. bled. Sorry, Wham, the other one that should have won it, bled both nostrils. So, well, you you got that happening more than normal. You've got like um, horses that just drift and miss starts, and that you got so much more shit that goes on up there that you you can't. There's no data that to to give you the the tip that this might happen. So yeah. you got you're betting against that. But I mean, like, from a metro point of view, for provincials completely different, I think. Um, but you know, they're only for provincials are only like for Queensland anyway. They're not before, so I've got a fair yeah. handle on what's running and what's not, and where we can beat SP. Yeah. The metro, like Wednesday for Saturdays, the errors are getting picked up earlier. Yeah. Where the provincials, I can, it's only the night before going up, so you can sort of. There's more wind. There's more of an opportunity to take advantage of those errors, where if there's any obvious errors go up for, for Metro, they're getting picked a lot earlier. So I've got to increase my margin of price differential to bet early on Wednesdays and Saturdays. That's fair enough. Also, in any early market, you've got, to, you've got to have... It's got to be a decent over compared to your price anyway because you're playing against the highest margin it's going to be. Correct. The, yeah, the market percentage is never going to be higher than at the, at the start. Yeah, which we've talked about before, Mark, you and I on this show. Um, and I think that that plays into... I think we picked 5% was about the number I use. Yeah. So that 5%, Zach, will factor in if if we're completely off. Well, in Victoria, I think it's a, that it's, it's reasonably true. 
like like they run to what they should sort of thing. But if we've got it wrong with the track pattern or a bias or a number of other variables you you've put there, that five percent can can absorb a lot of that. Yeah. So we've got like a, enough of a head start. Um, I'm just trying to read it again because I forgot what. Essentially, if I, I, I love betting early because the job's done. You can like sort of set it and forget it. And um, more often than not in Victoria, and like anyone on our products will back this up, we're, we're in a better position than the price we took come the jump, which really allows us to then adjust better to a track pattern because we've already got a good position on, on the main horse we want to be with. So we might be on a horse that's going to be second pair or third pair. I'd often only want to get set early on a horse that's got some tactical speed don't want to be back on horses early odds all that often that are going to be worse in midfield because more often than not they're not suited but we might be with that horse we really want to be with that's going to be two or three pairs back and we took eight bucks and now it's five or four and then we can look because we're in a great position because we backed our opinion early we're now able to have half a unit or a unit on on the horse we half liked we've got about the market that's going to be one a and the first two winners were one a sort of thing we We've given ourselves the opportunity to to keep betting into a race because we've got a dominant position in it. Yep. Good point. So, so I, I think there's huge upside to betting early, but when it, when it gets to a point like it is for Shane, where it's just completely grey because people are just smacking them so quickly, then don't force it. Just wait. Just you got to go through. We've talked about this again, actually. Just go through your own process, and if the price is there when you're ready, the price is there. But it'll be what it'll be. How does a horse bleed both nostrils and go out negative 7.3 and fucking get beat a length? The thing should have got beat fucking five. It's quite enormous wear. I'm fucking not over that. That's me there earlier today. (laughs) Doing the review. Look at me. See that that shovel over there on my left shoulder? Yeah, that's your right shoulder, yeah. Not, yeah. not far off putting that over me fucking own scone there at one point. <laughs> you wouldn't be able to get much tempo to it, though. Like. <laughs> just get a bruise. <laughs> Can't anyway. be All right. What that, else? What else? That's, uh, that's Q&A for Zach. Uh, week ahead. Thanks, let's, let's have a look. What have we got in Victoria to start with? Uh, come back to me. Okay, what have we got oh, in New yeah, South Wales? Questions to do. Is that, uh, we've we done them all. Yeah, we, it's, we've already gone for long enough. We'll, we'll get through them over the coming weeks. We'll, we'll have a bit of a backlog. So uh, later in the week, uh, BJ will get to your question and then other Zach will get to yours as well if we've got a, a little bit of time. But uh, we'll try and make sure things are spread out so we're not going for too long in any given day. Uh, Mark Roden, your week ahead. You did touch on it a little bit earlier. Um, Hawkesbury tomorrow. Um Metro Newcastle Wednesday, Provincial Scone Thursday, Metro Kembla Saturday with stakes racing at Kembla. Yeah, interesting. And the the um, Kembla Provincials been moved to Goulburn. So, bit of a bit of a novelty week. This one racing in a few different tracks that I don't usually play at, like uh, Scone and so on. But um, yeah, just go through the process and see what we find. Yep, sounds right to me. Dickens. We're betting at Mildura today. Um, we're, I, I don't know what we'll do tomorrow. It's a Ballarat, probably synthetic, so maybe one maiden, hopefully not, to be honest. But then it really gets busy. So we've got Sandown, Royal Sandown, 
Wednesday, Sale Thursday, Geelong Friday, Caulfield Saturday. And then Cranbourne, Coleraine Sunday, so that's an RDO, probably. Well, they're, they're racing at Coleraine every week at the moment. What's going on? They raced there yesterday and last uh, week. Only like maybe yesterday I, I like cottoned on to the fact that it's a Victorian track. <laughs> like I was, <laughs> I swear to God, I went to the Kilcoy form. Yes, like, look at it, because I thought that was in Victoria for some reason. <laughs> like, Maps.google.com.au well, is your friend, Jack. That's what I did. And then yeah, I figured right. out, Cole, fuck, Cole Rain's Victorian. Because I, I saw something or a horse that I knew. But it was just jumpers and, and heavyweights. Yeah. Like, yeah. please. Yeah. All right. We, we backed the Tatum Bullwinner yesterday. That's how good we're going in Victoria. <laughs> and she give it an absolute peach, too. Uh, that's the best part, though. I, I don't know. Didn't listen. Just, just the phone just vibrates and there's a lot of happiness and yeah. I just kept having a few beers around the fire by myself. <laughs> uh, and girls, your week ahead in Queensland. Doom and Wednesday. That's the same track that we raced at Saturday. Yep. Um, uh, whatever. Mount Isa's on Thursday. For those who got nothing on Thursday, watch a race at Mount Isa. Treat yourself. Um, we won't be betting there. <laughs> Saturday, depending what's happening with COVID, Saturday I'm planning on going to the Gold Coast for the Broad Beach Cats Old Boys Football Club race day. <laughs> oh, fuck. Oh, shit. Um, just depending on what's going on with COVID. But um, friends of the show got in touch with me and said, could you come down and like run a bit of a punters club or something for us amongst your day's betting if you've got time amongst it? And I said, well, Eagle Farm falls on that day, so this could work. See how COVID goes. Um, could be there. But we'll be betting anyway, so it doesn't matter. Uh, so Eagle Farm is a provincial, is a metro meeting. Gold Coast, obviously, is the provincial meeting as well. And November, Saturday night. So just more of the same, really. But I'm going to win this week, so. Your favourite to win this week, definitely. Yeah, absolutely. Right. Uh, that's Queensland. Very good. And WA is Belmont Wednesday, Northern Thursday, Belmont Saturday, Calgary Sunday, as per usual. Wonderful. Guys, thank you very much. That, that is such a better week, isn't it, for your mental health? Like Monday, cool. Tuesday off. Then I can have two days on. Then I'll have a day off to get ready. Then two days on, two yeah. days off. You're like a f- FIFA or whatever they are. Yeah, let's not get too FIFA. carried away. FIFA. No, F- <laughs> FIFA's a soccer. Yeah, I don't need to be drug tested for my Fly work, in, that's for sure. Um, <laughs> Ross, you'd blow up the thing. Pissing hot. No, I'd be, I'd be negative, which is a positive. In a negative way. Yeah, positive, <laughs> negative. Allegedly. All right, guys, thank you very much. We'll catch up later in the week to do some previews for whatever's happening. We just mentioned what's happening this week. We'll talk about it then later in the week. Go well. Peter's had a big weekend if you can't tell. Buff it out. (laughs)